Though, there was one thing he clung to, an excuse, perhaps, like the dead emperor. It was the soul of the wretch, apathy. The belief that nothing was his fault, the belief that he couldn't change anything. If a man was cursed, or if he believed he didn't have to care, then he didn't need to hurt when he failed. Those failures couldn't have been prevented. Someone or something else had ordained them. If I'm not cursed, Kaladin said softly, then why do I live when others die? Because of us, Syl said. This bond, it makes you stronger, Kaladin. Then why can't it make me strong enough to help others? I don't know, Syl said. Maybe it can. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book one, The Way of Kings. This is just a quick spoiler warning for Chapter 57, uh, Wander Sail. If you haven't gotten this far in the book yet, I would suggest going back and reading it, making sure that you don't get spoiled at all. If you have picked the wrong episode by accident, uh, this is episode 34, so please make sure you're in the right spot. And if you are in the right spot, and I really hope you do, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and unfortunately, he just found out the Emperor is dead. I guess he's got a lot of explaining to do. It's Jack. What's up, man? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, What a fucking chapter this is, eh? Holy jeez. What a chapter indeed. So we are on chapter 57, Wander Sail. Um, we are, um, normally we try to do a little witty banter at the beginning and we talk about like, oh, we're drinking coffee or we're doing this, we're doing that. This is the Sanderlanch now. We don't have time for witty banter. We just have to get into it. We just, we, we just got to jump right in. Although there, there are a few things here. I want to, I want to preface this. Mm -hmm. Number one, um, as I'm sure was referenced many times, um, to the band, uh, what's a wonder wall? Um, I said, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my first, like wonders. I'm like wander, wander sale. Chapter 57, wander sale. What's a wander sale? And then I thought, what's a wonder wall? What is a wonder wall? I don't know. I don't know. What is a wonder wall? If anyone can tell me, please help me. The song has been, um, you know, burrowing a deep deep hole in my psyche for many, many years. The joke's on you, dude, because the um, the next chapter is called uh, Champagne Supernova. So you... Ah, it makes sense. It's, it's all coming together. Now it's making sense. I yes. fucking love and that then song. It'll, it'll conclude. Champagne Supernova is like six minutes too long, but I love it. I love every single minute of the too longness of it. You're like, really? Is this song still playing? But you're like, man, it's so good. <laughs> And then it'll get to an interlude at the end, yeah. and then it'll be song two. 
And you're like, what? Song Ishik? By, Who the fuck's by... Ishik? Ishik. What There's the an interlude this for this What's fucking song. song? What's going on? Um, Wander Sale. Yeah. You got some art to talk about here. Yes. So I want to talk about the art. So I love the depictions on the left page here mm-hmm. of the uh, paperback that I have. Yeah. So some really, really cool um, plants uh, here. I don't know if they, do they actually list them all? What well, it's called Scale for? Spray is the top one, which looks sort scale of like spray, a yeah. um, a uh, coconut or something. Um, yeah, or in the, the, the stalk there looks a little bit like asparagus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the head of an asparagus, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like, um, whenever it's all yeah, retracted it's, it, inwards, it, it looks kind of like a coconut. Mm-hmm. And then this, the middle one, um, is called stump weight. And that's the one that stump has weight. all the leaves on one side and then mm-hmm. the leaves curl inwards that. when the, the, uh, the storm comes. Yeah. When the high storm so comes. So neat, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then the last I one is called that. Markle. And then there's this. Yes, Markle. And then there's these tiny little and, like root things at the bottom of the Markle pl- tree, and it's called yeah, Snarlbrush. Snarl, oh, Snarlbrush. Mm. It's neat though. Have you noticed the, how you know, the I, um, I will... the Markle uh, plant it says it's 16 feet high, and it opens up oh, like yeah. a clam. Right. And then it snaps shut right. when the the storm snaps comes. Snaps shut to collect. Yep. It's really cool. Like our meat eating, like our meat eating plants. Ooh, scary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I really, I, I think I've said it earlier in earlier podcasts, but this always reminds me the way the vegetation reacts to those um, in the environment mm-hmm. around it reminds me of the dark crystal. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that idea when I was a little boy, when I saw the dark crystal for the first time and seeing the way the plants reacted to the characters in that environment, I thought... My mind was blown. Right. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just so mysterious and awesome. And I just, I, it always reminds me that when I try to imagine the vegetation of this planet, it always reminds me of uh, of that when I was a little kid. Yeah. Kaladin actually experiences some of it um, in this chapter where he's walking by and there's like the, the grass. Yes, get, the gets, blades p- of grass. Yeah. They all retracting. get sucked in when he goes by. Like it's like, um, mm-hmm. it's got like, um, what's that thing in D&D that you always make all your bad guys have so they can track me when I'm invisible? Um, <laughs> what? Blindsight? <laughs> blindsight. <laughs> all these plants have blindsight. Kaladin comes close and they're like, nope. <laughs> they they, get, feel they the, suck themselves they feel, in. Feel the heat. They can. Uh, they, they can sense. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably stuff. blindsight, tremor sense, yeah. tremor sense. Of, yeah, that's what that's uh, the one I was there. thinking of. Tremor what's, sense. What, what's tremors? What, what are we dealing with there? We're dealing with family ties. Michael Gross. There you go. Oh, a little bit of Michael, oh yeah, Michael Gross. Gross. And Kevin Bacon. Well, that's because of the Wanda um, episode last week. The fa- family ties uh, opening. Michael Gross. Right. Mm. We got to do a, we got to talk about that. This is a big deal for me. It's such Family a good show. This is extremely it's, important. We don't really have time okay. to talk about it now, but maybe we can do something for, we, maybe once the season's done, we can, you and I can revisit it for, as bo- bonus content on the Patreon and we can talk about the season. Perfect. I just love it so much. Sure. It's so great. Well, okay. So we got to talk about uh, this chapter 57, yeah. Wander Sale. We, I want to talk about this little banner, this, these, these little relief works, these right. kind of stone etched bits that we get on the chapters. Mm-hmm. So this time, am I seeing the wit? Maybe. Depicted here? Maybe. The one with the, um, the like fox style mask or whatever? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things I'm, that I'm we wondering... haven't actually done at all in this uh, series that we've been doing is 
take a look at this relief work with the different um, images on it. Um, well, I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the book. You and did. I was noting, of course, the, the double-peopled eye. And then the images in the center would, would change a little mm -hmm. bit. And then, of course, these depictions of other uh, faces would change a little bit as well. The, there, over the course I haven't of, noticed of chapters, it, but uh, we'd have to go back and start all over to really like look at it, look <laughs> through it. I'm sure there's a, there's someone out there that's probably listening that has actually paid attention to that. And if they have any, yeah. um, idea of the correlation of the images to the chapters and if there's any, like, cause if you think this one with this, like kind of like reason to Fox it. style, uh, um, mask on, if yeah. you think that's wit, like Jester, maybe like, this image yeah. appears every time wit appears in a chapter. It's very possible. That would be if anybody's willing to do that research cool. or has already done that research and wants to share it with us, please do send it to heroes of yeah. at uh, gmail.com. We'd love to be able to know. This death quote at the beginning is interesting. I particularly am interested in the ending line of it. Mm. You know, it says, I hold the suckling child in my hands, a knife at his throat, and know that all who live uh, wish me to let the blade slip, spill its blood upon the ground over my hands, and with it, gain us further breath to draw. Mm -hmm. This uh, collected from a dark-eyed youth of 16. Number one, collected from a dark-eyed youth of 16. What's a 16-year-old doing with a suckling child in his hands considering slitting right. its throat? So we've sort like, of... This is a part we've sort of talked about these quotes um, and trying to like... Um, like There was one that was like talking about... Um, um, someone wearing a crown and holding a spear. And we said, oh, maybe this person's from a non Alethkar region of Roshar. And that's why a king right. can wear a spear, uh, hold a spear. But I'm, I think that it's like, especially with this one, it's clearly evident that the quotes that are being uttered by people who die have no correlation to the people who utter them. Right. Right. Hmm. And you know what's wild is we get That's, a death quote yes, and then yeah, yet again right. we get That's a death right. quote right away. As this I chapter know. opens, oh, so that's we, my we first note. So right at the beginning of this chapter, we find out that Maps uh, has died. Another member uh, that has been with Bridge Four for quite some time, mm -hmm. and his death quote is, um, "And all the world was shattered." The rocks trembled with their steps and the stones reached toward the heavens. We die. We die. Crazy. So crazy. And then they actually talk about it. This is the first yeah, time yeah. we have characters who actually talk about the death quote. Right? Right. Right. This skips ahead a little no. bit. but um, No, no, go ahead. But uh, um, Scar asks, what was that he said at the end? The rocks trembled, and then uh, Thick Arm right. Yaked says, it was, it was nothing, nothing, just dying delirium. It happens to men sometimes. So this isn't so, a new phenomenon. It's, it happens. And then Tef says, and Tef says more often lately than it seems. So. Right. Well, just with what Yake says there. So it, it, it was nothing, just dying delirium. This chapter, I was trying to come up with, um, with the wander sale, trying to come up with alternate titles. Mm -hmm. And I found, I found a number of them. And that was my first one, dying delirium. Yeah. 
I liked the, that that two word combo. It's because we've been calling it a death quote, but that's what it is to us, right? A death right. quote is what it is for us, but for them, you're right. It is dying delirium, and it's that's really well. Um, it's an alliteration. It really invokes. Mm-hmm. It tells us exactly what it is. Yeah, I love I love it when two words can say a lot, like uh, mm-hmm. um, like dying delirium, like 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 tragically hit. Yeah. Um, says a lot. Um, so I really, I really like that. Dying Delirium, I thought it was a really cool, and Delirium, great band, by the yeah. way. If anybody doesn't know Delirium, check them out. You should check them out. Um, so that's, yeah, so this is, this is sort of starts off with, with a death, which is, um, kind of hard to take. Yeah. Uh, but we also find out that Maps wasn't the only death recently. Arik had also died and they're down to 26 members barely enough to carry a bridge. Yeah. And then Kaladin's thinking I should have been faster, wondering could Liren have saved him? Like I thought this was interesting. Like could my father have done it? The only the only man that he continues to revere and look up to. And then he comments uh, you know, that or he thinks if Cal if he had studied in Carbranth, would that have made any difference? Right. Would would I would I would I have been able to learn some kind of secret that in this moment I could have prevented this this from happening. It's uh, we all have he's, these. Like he's we, always we all have these thoughts, right? Where the the what ifs? What if I had done this? Could this have happened? But we know for sure right. that if Cal had gone to Carbranth to such study like his father wanted, he wouldn't be in the army with Amaram. To do you know what I mean? Like so, none of this would have it would be relevant. He wouldn't have been able to save Maps if he had gone to Carbranth because he wouldn't have known Maps. He wouldn't have been here. Potentially, right? Unless still would have found him anyway. I do want to point out this really um, kind of disgusting um, uh, thought here that Cal has. Um, he's like, um, it's taking them one by one, open them up, bleed them out. We are nothing more than pouches to carry blood. We die and then it rains down on the stones like a high storm's flood. And then he says, a layer of skin, a layer of fat, a layer of muscle, a layer yeah. of bone. That's what, that was what men were. Nothing more than that. It's just, it's that's the wretch. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's harsh. That's the wretch. I mean, if if you're looking at if you're looking, but that line that we are no more, we are nothing more than pouches to carry blood. Oh my god, it's so. Ugh, yeah, it creeps me out. Yeah, well, it's it's void of of any meaning with regards to your uh, consciousness and your experiences. Mm-hmm. It's you know completely it just voids all of that right um and that's a very uh, uh despair filled position um but i mean yeah this is i mean this is in, so when he's having these thoughts about you know could could my father have saved could i have saved him right if i had studied in carbranth then he hears his father's words this happens sometimes son mm-hmm. But then it says here that he's having a memory consume him and it's a young girl, a cracked head, a broken leg and an angry father. Yeah, that's the, um, that's that chapter that you really like, the really, really short chapter. It's the girl that fell out of the tree and. Right. Right. I like, I, I, I like that he's thinking of this again. Mm-hmm. These callbacks he has, it's funny, eh? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's callbacks to stuff that we know. And sometimes it's callbacks to stuff that we've, we weren't there for. And this is one of the ones that we experienced with him in, in the, uh, in the flashback. So it means right. more when we experience it for sure. 
When other men failed, a field of crops got worms. But when a surgeon fails, someone dies. Right. He's, again, carrying this heavy weight actually says here, you have to learn when to care. And then a little later, Kaladin uh, um, bowed beneath, beneath the weight. Yeah. I should have saved him. I should have saved him. I should have saved him. Note, and noticing it says it three times. Right. And then it lists uh, a whole bunch of them. And still says, be strong. You gave your oath to these men. Mm -hmm. This is a direct, um, uh, um, like, contrast to what he feels at the end of this chapter. At the beginning, he's lost. He's literally lost and swimming in this sea of despair of losing all these people. Mm -hmm. He goes through a list. Maps, Dunny, Amark, Goshal, Dalit, Namal, Nalma, Tien. He literally is going through the list of people he's... It's almost some kind of like... Um, fucked up Arya list where Arya is making a, running through a list to all the people she's going to kill and this is the list that Cal has in his head of all the people that he couldn't save you know right couldn't um, save them yeah but like we get this is a complete this is you know we, he has to be this low now so that later on he f- starts to forgive himself right but we'll get to that later but um, it's a complete contrast from that I like it a lot he um he sent his men uh, to look for fallen uh, bridgemen, and there's only eight mm-hmm. of them around him at, at the at the moment. They're all forming a circle around him, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he mentions that. Uh, but he, Scar can take care of the minor wounds, which is great because he's right. taught Scar. Yeah. Relieves. You know, yeah, he, it's he, awesome. He's, he's got men in his in his in his group that's competent enough now to handle certain right. menial tasks with regards to medicine that he no longer has to deal with. So right. Again, it's awesome. a very smart play, share some of the knowledge, mm-hmm. get some other people, you know, he's a, he's absolutely brilliant. And I love how this gives um, like Scar's not just a bridgeman anymore. You know, he's a, a bridgeman no. and he's also a medic, a field medic now. And he's also, he's learning to um, use the spear. So he's like this character, this dead eyed hollow faced man is becoming more than just a right. slave. Kaladin is like infusing them with these skills, which is awesome. You know, right. it's like the storm mm-hmm. infusing a gemstone. He's Kaladin is literally infusing them with this, he's these, the, these skills. That's right. It's really he's, cool. He, he's the light. He's giving them the right. light. And, and he is um, uh, giving them purpose. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. and w- like without, I, I love how the how a step one was give them a name. I love right. that. I'll never. That was the first get over step. That. That's just that was so cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, I love it. Um, he goes to the edge of the chasm and goes forces himself into old stance that Tux had taught him. His feet mm-hmm. are apart, hands behind his back, clasping his forearms. Um, and he's having these thoughts again, these, these, these dark thoughts about his father being wrong. Um, you said I'd learned to deal with the deaths and yet here I am years later, the same problem. Um, Lopin comes over. Yeah, this is cool. This is, this is what and we he, talked he about. Recovered the late... This is what we learned yeah, in the last chapter, really right? Cool. It's all coming to fruition. Yeah. Now we're seeing the plan yeah. happen now. Well, and, and it has happened. He's recovered. Uh, so Lopin is recovered, just as they discussed. A pouch of spheres that they'd snuck away down in the chasm. They'd stuck it to the bridge with the arrow. Mm-hmm. The plan has worked. They've done this four times now, yeah. actually. That's awesome. And he asks him, did you have any trouble? No, Gancho. Easy as tripping horny. Mm-hmm. I heard that. <laughs> says Rock. I love that. Um, 
And where is Gaz Kaladin thought? Why didn't he join the... So I, I thought, I didn't like this little dropping, but um, there it is. There's the dropping. Droppings? Dino? Droppings. 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 So there's a little dropping here. And where is Gaz Kaladin thought? Why didn't he come on the bridge run? Right. Um, so interesting that um, Mr. Sanderson drops that, but as far as I know, there's no other mention of it in the no, rest of the No, not chapter. this chapter, but, for sure. But there, But there it is. Yeah, Lopin oh. drops the coil of rope all the way down in the chasm, right? He, um, mm-hmm. remember they talked, and Cal, uh, Cal's like, we could tie it off, but then that's going to look weird, this random rope hanging right, there. Just, just let it go. Just let it go yep. into the chasm, uh, the chasm or chasm, however you like to say it, um, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll get it later. Um, they, he notes here that, uh, Sadius and Dalinar had been winning more battles this way with their new tactics. Um, and he says that many people were dying on the other side of the chasm and you'd think that this would elicit some kind of a response out of the surgeon part of Kaladin's self, but he didn't feel a thing for them. Yeah. No, it's to heal them, no desire to help. Kaladin could thank Hav for that, for training him to think in terms of us and them. Right. And in a way, Which Kaladin is... had learned what his father had talked about in the wrong way, but but it was something. Protect the us and destroy the them. Wow, that's harsh. Right. Well, and then he says a soldier had to think like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that, I mean, that's a very... I guess it must be a, a tactic on how to face your enemy. If you dehumanize them, then it must make the job a little easier. Right. right. Well, we see this in popular culture movies all the time, and I'm sure it was like this back then. You know, guys go to um, go to World War Two or World War One or uh, fight in the Pacific uh, against the J- Japanese, and they, right. you know, perfectly normal people start using slurs and language that they would never use, probably against anybody, but they use it because it um, it like demonizes the people that they're fighting and makes them seem mm-hmm. like, you know, and I don't, right. I don't want to repeat them, but, um, it, uh, it allows those people to hate them and not think of them as actual people like us. There's that scene in band of brothers. Remember that scene where, um, he, the, one of the soldiers is walking down the way and he, he meets up with a guy who's fighting for the other side. He's fighting for the German side, but he's an American and they grew up in the same town. And he's like, oh my God, you grew up there. I grew up there. And then they're like, they talk for a little bit. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll see you later. And then he turns around and then the guy gets shot. Like, poof, and they, they execute him. And it was Malarkey. Unreal. That's the character who it happened to. I've never, so I, I unfortunately uh, have not finished Band oh, of Brothers. Oh, you should. It's really good. So it's... I know. I've heard from, I, I didn't have access to it for many years. And then when I started it, I had to give back the, I was on loan uh, to me from back in DVDs and uh, days back in, back in, back in the DVD are, um, (laughs) yes, back in the DVD days. And, uh, so I hadn't, I hadn't finished it and I haven't got around to finishing the series. So it's a good, uh, um, it's a good example of what we're talking about. But I can imagine like this, this kind of subhuman sub, you know, um, sort of, uh, way of looking at a living being. Right especially an intelligent living being and you, you removing them of any, of any kind of humanity. It allows your, I think it allows for great elasticity right. in your morality and ethics mm-hmm. for sure is what I guess what I, what I for would sure. say. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's kind of weird, but he, he does note here, but he says 
He wanted to focus on one thing, he said. He's commenting, this is Kaladin. Mm -hmm. How did the Parshenti, Par, Parshendi, sorry, how did the Parshendi treat their dead? And he could see that the Parshendi revered their dead very much, and he doubted that anyone else was noticing this. Right. That they would endanger their own lives to preserve the corpses. And as we were, or I, as I was kind of deriving from earlier bits in the chapter so far, mm -hmm. I was starting to wonder whether or not these uh, these Parshendi were actually coming back somehow. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know that's true, but I was wondering about that. And then he said, Cal thinks to, to himself that, you know, because the Parshendi revere their dead so much, he thinks to himself, he has to use it. He's not sure how yet, he, he, but he's going to use right. that. The, yeah. That's what I want to, to mention. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, Kaladin could use that. He would use that somehow. He'd find a way. Yeah. So that's interesting that he's looking, <laughs> he's looking at that from a really strategic point of view. But again, at this point anyway, when he's looking at the Parshendi, he's still seeing the enemy. Right. Kaladin is still seeing that. He's not seeing them as any kind of equal to himself at all. No. He is viewing them as the soldier, I guess, should right. Right. view them. We know that he has so. the capacity to see them in a different light because he sees Shen differently, which is like a Parshman, a little different than Parshendi, but a Parshman. And so he, he sees Shen as a fellow Bridgman. So we know he has the capacity to be able to maybe see these people as people and not as monsters or not as the enemy, but truthfully, they are the enemy, so I don't blame them. Right. This uh, next bit is that he um, is noticing that they won the battle, the, the Alethi won this particular battle oh. that they're that they're on. Um, they reached the chasm, uh, I believe the bridge is lowered, and they're standing at parade rest, or rather Kaladin is standing at parade rest mm -hmm. and bridge four falls in around him and all the soldiers walking by are like, you know, why, like, what's like, why do they do that? And, uh, I, I, I really like this. Kaladin had never asked them to join him in doing this, but they did it each time. Right. So that's really cool. Like I like when they're, they're carrying the bridge back and they've got, uh, three injured on the top of the bridge. And so far, Cal and his men have saved 15 men from other bridge crews. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Well, with all of the, you know, efforts that he's doing from the antiseptic to acquiring extra Bandages food, to getting and, spheres, yeah. and like he's able to incorporate more and more under his right. wing, right? So it's um, quite amazing. Yeah, the, the soldiers are giving them the stink eye. They're just, they're looking down on them. And Moash asks like, you know, why, why do we get treated like this? Like, what, what is it about them that they hate? Like, why do they hate us? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Why do they do why that? Why do they do yeah. that? And Cal's like, well, when I fought in Amram's I army, I dreamed about joining the troops at the Shattered Plains. Everyone knew that mm -hmm. the soldiers left in Alakar, Alathkar were just the dredges. They were the worst, right? We imagined the real soldiers off fighting in the glorious war to bring retribution to those who had killed our king. Those soldiers would treat their fellows with fairness. So we're, he's talking about the soldiers that are giving them the stink eye right now. He's like, their right. discipline would be firm. Each would be an expert with the spear and he would not break rank on the battlefield. So they had Cal and his squad, like Dalit and all these guys, had yeah. these really lofty ideas of the honorable soldiers, these honorable dark eyes, just like them. But right. they're these well-trained, honorable men out on the shattered plains fighting for a cause. Right. And then he gets here. They're all a bunch of pieces of shit. 
Yeah. And so he's like, why do you think, why do they treat us like this, Moash? Because they know they should be better than they are. Right? Right. Because they see discipline in the bridgemen and it embarrasses them. Rather than berating themselves, it's easier to take the road of jeering at us. Rather than bettering themselves. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they take the easier road of jeering at us. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. Um, this, uh, observation and it's totally true. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, but Scar, <laughs> I like how Scar brings up at this point. Well, uh, Dalinar Colin's uh, soldiers don't act like that. His men march in straight ranks and yeah. so on and so forth. And, and then, <laughs> and Kaladin's actually thinking, oh, will I never stop hearing about <laughs> Dalinar storming Colin? Like, isn't it, isn't it so though? This fucking what, what, guy, what, what man. I like, what, what I like it is that like Sadius, Sadius is kind of like, oh, that storming book. If I ever hear you bring up the codes or this stupid book again, yeah. ugh. And then for Kaladin, it's it's this Dalinar Colon. Yeah. Like Dalinar Colon is the way of kings. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know what I mean? Like he's let he's, me he's looking let at me it. fucking hate the light eyes. Okay, just let me be. I hate light eyes. Y'all know I hate light eyes. Right. Stop bringing this yeah. fucking so Dalinar burn... guy up every yeah. time I say light eyes suck. You're like, well, Dalinar Colon's right. not like that. Well, that's not. Yeah, Dalinar Colon's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, I I like his thought here. I underline this. Uh, how easy it was to ignore a blackened heart if you dress it in a pressed uniform and a reputation for honesty. Yeah, that's that's an awesome line. I had underlined that too. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's like what we said uh, in the last chapter, I think they said something like um uh how you know, like how sully men are in a shining breastplate. You know, this is this like comparing contrast of, you know, despicable mm. people wearing fine clothes or, you know, horrible soldiers yeah. wearing beautiful breastplate. Yeah. 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 Very duplicitous. Um, so, uh, uh, Kaladin dismisses the men for the evening activities and they, they give him a salute and he's like, what's that? He asks to Teft and Teft says, the men wanted a salute. We can't use a regular uh, military salute, not with a spearman already thinking we're so big headed. So I taught them my old squad salute. Right. And so I thought that was cool. Teft's old squad salute, actually, um, they got their salute from watching Black Panther. Wakanda forever, baby. Right. Wakanda forever, baby. <laughs> it's the, it's the yeah, same the arms, salute. Uh, is it the same one? Hang on. I thought it was... Yeah. Uh, they cross their arms oh, right. at the They're wrists, crossing, crossing their arms fists. Yeah, on their chest. Nice. Wakanda forever. Yeah. It's great Indeed, because yeah. it means that Chadwick Boseman is part of the Stormlight Archive, as he should be. R.A.P. Yeah. 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 That's wicked. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I like here how Kaladin um, notices that the other bridge crews are finally showing up, and he right. sort of feels bad for them. He's like, did they ever well, really he, look like those guys? Like, he's like, he can yeah. see them, and he's like, did we ever really look like that? Ragged beards and haunted expressions. Yeah, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 2 when he's, like, looking at all the rest of the buzzes, and he's like, was I really like this? Like, <laughs> was I really this delusional? <laughs> It's so great. <laughs> was I really like that? Yes, Buzz. Yes, you were. I, I swear to God, some of my Listen, my Space Ranger. My, my my kid's favorite thing is <laughs> seeing uh, Buzz Lightyear go into Spanish mode. It's like one of the their favorite things oh, in yeah. in movies. Yeah, yeah. 
Daddy, can we see yeah. the thing where Buzz goes Spanish? <laughs> he starts to do, do, do the tango and stuff. And like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he looks amazing. It's so great. He's got all the moves. Mm. But Teft looks at him, you know, when Cal's like looking like he's got pity on these soldiers, Teft says, you know, he's like, oh, I see that look in your eye. Why do you always have to help everybody? Why is it that you, you know, feel the need to help everyone all the time? Right. And then he kind of ignores the comment and he says, here, let me have a look at that arm of yours. Right. And he's like, it's, it's not that bad. And then when he, when he, when he takes a look at it, uh, at Teff's uh, wound, he says, we, we need antiseptic on this. There's a few red rot spren mm-hmm. crawling around in the wound. And, um, you know, he calls like Lopin over. He's bad, like, Lopin, like, bring over the medical bag. I, I like he gets Lopin to bring this medical bag over. So this is really curious because there's this little moment where he, you know, he's, you know, Kaladin is, is, you know, he's treating Teft is what he's doing. He's treating Teft. Right. And then Teft decides very abruptly in the middle of one of Kaladin's sentences to, to strike him like a punch being thrown, like a sudden movement from Teft. And Kaladin, I love this, Kaladin moved by reflex, taking in a sharp breath, moving to a defensive stance, arms up, one hand a fist, the other back to block. Yeah. Something blossomed within Kaladin, mm-hmm. like a deep breath drawn in, like a burning liquor injected directly into his blood. A powerful wave pulsed through his body, energy, strength, awareness. It was like the body's natural alert response to danger, only it was a hundredfold more intense. And this, of course, is Teft testing right. Kaladin Cal once again. catches the punch. Yeah. Like some kind of like thing out of like... 80s WWE wrestling just literally catches like the punch. Grab, and then he like, like looks at the crowd. tongue, baby. Did he, did he just catch the punch? Come on. Come on. I just dropped the Jar Jar tongue comment. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Sorry. I was busy making my wrestling joke. <laughs> You're busy making your wrestling joke. I'm trying to go for my Jar Jar joke. Um, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Um. But I, I, so he, uh, Tef says, Kelek, shaking his hand, that's some grip you've got. Why did you try to strike me? Kel no, let's, says. let's stop on Kelek. Right. Kelek. Yeah. What, what's the meaning there? It's, it's literally Tef's favorite swear or favorite saying. He uses Kelek for everything. Kellick is one of the um, the heralds. It's perfectly and symmetrical. Teft, it is, yeah. And he, and Teft uses that all the time. He used it like right every time he talks yeah. in this book. He says Kellick. I'm just bringing ah, it up. I'm just I'm just bringing it up because I don't know. Mm-hmm. What no, it for is sure. Really yet, so it's um, um it's just his um it's his swear. It's like saying Jesus Christ or or Almighty. It's he uses Kellick. Um, the heat was uh, burning inside of him, burning in his veins. Mm-hmm. And Lopin actually witnesses something here and says, um, Gancho, you're glowing. Gancho? Wisps, wisps of luminescent smoke curling up from his skin like steam coming off a bowl of hot water on a cold winter night. Mm-hmm. What did you do to me? He says to Teft. Answer me. He's getting, he's actually, he's actually getting angry about this. Yeah. Like, answer me. And Taft is like, I didn't do anything, lad. 
He You've says, been doing this for a while now. The line here is, um, answer me, Cal said, stepping forward, grabbing the front of Tef's shirt. And he thinks to himself, Stormfather, I feel strong. Like he can mm-hmm. feel it in him. Like he can feel yeah, really sure. strong right now. And he says, you've been doing this for a while now. I caught you feeding off Stormlight when you were sick. Yeah. And Lopin is, is saying, well, now that is something. He's looking at this. Yeah. And, uh, the the pack, the, the medical, the medical pack, there. I think it was, yeah that that um, pa- that Kaladin had thought he had set down. Yeah, he thought he put it on top um, of the barrel. Right, but he hadn't. He had missed that. But yet, um, it had stuck to the side of the barrel and was just hanging there, right. as if from an invisible hook. <laughs> and and awesome? Lopin is looking at that and says, "Now that's something." Yeah. And then so, that's really really cool. Um, Sill appears moving like a blown leaf there we go with the wind again tossed this way and that leisurely uh, leisurely faint and he's like and then Kaladin thinks and then Kaladin thinks yeah I love this and Kaladin thinks she did it (laughs) what's she done to me (laughs) right and he says Sill Sill and she says yes and and, uh, and Sill looks at him and says you're glowing and then he says, what have you done to me? She cocks her head to the hmm. side and she yeah. she shrugs. And uh, he, she's like, I, I don't know, Kaladin. I can only faintly remember things I used to know so well. This world interacting with men. Um, but, did you, but you did do something. And she says, we have done something. Yeah. It, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. Right. But, but together. I love that. I love it that, so much. And, and I, I, lo- I love this. I love this. But then, but then he says, well, that isn't very helpful. And she says, I know. I'm sorry. And then Kaladin's immediate response to that is, well, how, how do I get rid of it? Right. Why? Why do you want to get rid of it? Well, because. And then here and it then is. And then Kaladin starts to Here's think. Here's the line, I dude. love this. Here's it. I here know. It and this was, when, th- this, this was my, my, my dude moment. Um, something occurred to Kaladin, something perhaps he should have asked long ago. You're not a windsprint, are you? And she says, no. What are you then? I don't know. I bind things. And this is when Kaladin picks a stone up off of the ground, right. a weathered, weathered smooth by the high storms, and he presses it against the wall of the barracks, and he wills the light into the stone. Yeah. And the stone remains there, clinging to the side of the building. Yeah, like the bag, right? Just like the medical bag. Just like the medical bag, mm-hmm. yeah. And Sil says, bind, Spren. They're holding the rock in place? She says, maybe. Or maybe they're attracted to what you've done in affixing the stone there. Yeah. That's not, that's not how it works, is it? And she says, well, do rot Spren cause sickness? Or are they simply attracted to it? Everyone knows they cause it. And then she says, and do windspren cause the wind? Rainspren cause the rain? Flamespren cause fire? And he thinks, no, they didn't, did they? I love this. This is, this is, this goes back all the way to the beginning of the book. (laughs) Do, do windspren cause the wind or do they just, are they, are they attracted to it? This is this, right. a quote that had happened in like the first few chapters of the book. Right. And it comes all the way back to wow, us. Eh? And you've been talking about wind the entire time. 
And it made yes. sense at the time that there was all this wind stuff because Sill, we thought, was a windspring. Right? Now, this is really, really important well, here. But, I want to read this to you, okay? Well, does, Hold on. Okay, but hang on. I have a question for you. Does okay. this call into... Does this call into question then spren in general, meaning they may not be spren, they might just be reacting to what's happening or drawn or, you know what I mean? Like, is a rot spren really a rot spren or is it... I don't think that makes them not spren. I think if uh, a rain spren right. are attracted to the rain, it doesn't stop them from being rain spren. It just means they don't cause the rain. Do you know what I mean? Right. They're not the cause. No. Um well, doesn't, so, doesn't she get really mad at him right here? Because so there's there's a part here that uh, um, he says um, he said this is pointless. I need to find out how I can get rid of this light, not study it. And then she says, "Why must you get rid of it, Kaladin? Mm-hmm. You've heard the stories: men who walked on walls, men who bound the storms to them, wind runners." Yeah. That word, yeah, so windrunners, cool. was uttered a couple of times in this book, but the most recent was when Dalinar stood on the top of Feverstone Keep and watched two types of radiance rush the castle to get rid of their stuff. One were stone wards, and the other fell out of the sky to join them, called windrunners. Right. Yeah, that's so Why cool. would you want to be rid of something like this? Well, it seems to be a um, a way of a character that is so worthy of something, like something mm-hmm. so powerful, and because they don't want it, it's a bit like uh, what's the story in that movie, Gladiator, where what's the main character's name? The Gladiator himself, uh, Russell you know, Crowe. The <laughs> yeah, Russell. Okay. Um, he. It's like uh, Marius he, or I Magnus believe, or something. Marius. Uh, yes, you're, you've almost got it. It's uh, oh, Marius Barius. I think that's, that's, that's Marius Barius. Me. Me. Maximus. 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 Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think his character was chosen. His character was chosen by Caesar because Caesar couldn't, in good faith, give um, the keys to the kingdom, if you will. Uh, of Rome to his son because of who his son was when offering him the kingdom upon his death to Maximus, the character Maximus denies it and says, I, I don't, I don't want this very similar, um, sort of, uh, situation here with, you know, great power or, or responsibility being, mm-hmm. uh, offered to Kaladin. He doesn't want it. Right. He, he, he wants to get rid of it. Th- this is, that's interesting. Th- I don't want to like, beat you over that this is an odd that moment okay this is an odd that moment where i want to point out what she says again men who walked on walls men who bound the storms to them wind runners why would you want to be rid of something like this this is the reason for all the wind motif this whole book dude is this wind runners because thing. he's because he's a wind runner or could be she thinks anyways, she's yeah. saying windrunners and she's saying, why would you want to be rid of this? So she thinks he could be a windrunner. Right. And then when we get to right. the end, 
Cal goes to, um, we'll get there again later, but, um, Cal goes to Tef and says, you know, like, what, like, why do you know all this stuff? And he says, well, I was part of like a society that, um, that waited for the radiance to come back. And he's like, well, what do you know what they can do? And he's like, no, but let's find out. So Cal is like said, okay, well maybe I I am, maybe I am one of these. Right. So. It's just well, think, you've talked about wind the, so much this whole podcast I that I really wanted to yeah. to hammer home this no, whole wind runners thing. No, that's no, that's 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 super cool, and it really it does. Um, I mean, I, I mean, of course, my curiosity is peaked. I want to know more about what a wind runner is and what wind runners can do. But I mean, you know, Sill is kind of saying here, you know, that you're you're binding the storms to yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, wind runners. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's really amazing. The, like the, the big, the big moment for me was, um, you're not a wind sprint, are you? Yeah. And she, I, she just, she just flatly says no. no, but she doesn't remember what she is. Her, her answer is no. <laughs> so, I don't know what I am. Right. I don't know. I bind things. I bind things. Yeah. Right. Now let's just, just before we leave, we could save this for the, the info dump, but I wanted to uh, uh, linger on the bind spren for a second. Um, they are Mm -hmm. tiny little spren, dark blue shaped like little splashes of ink. And they literally are connecting the rock to the wall. They're the things that are connecting the bag to the barrel. There are tiny little sprens that are literally Mm -hmm encircling the area that the two items are connecting. So it's really cute. She calls them bind spread. I just wanted mm-hmm. to, we didn't talk about the description. We could have done that in info dump, but. So she's saying that, that she binds things, mm-hmm. but she's not indicating that she's a bind spread. No, she's not a bind spread. She's but something she's... other than. So she's, right. so she's also observing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Sill, my little darling, she's so interesting. That now she's a mystery again. Right. Love her. Yeah, they get into a little bit of a fight here where he's like, I don't want this. And he's like, I'm cursed. And she's like, you think I'm a curse? If this is from me, yeah, I lo- then you right. think I'm a curse? I, 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 I love this. I, lo- I love this. Um, um, was, he, was he shoving it away because he feared being set apart? Right. Like his father always was as the surgeon of Hearthstone. I thought on this because it's a very simple way to look at why a character does anything is to look in their past, see what they've suffered or endured in their in their past. And this, I think, you know, like his father, the, the, the attention that he brought to the family, negative or otherwise, was a bit of a source of wanting to hide underneath the stone a bit, mm-hmm. you know? Like he he may not have wanted to be you know, the one out in front and where everyone can see. Um, so maybe that's, I like that little suggestion or observation. Um, and then he, and then he's commenting, like, I, I'm doing what the Radiance did. And, uh, she said, well, that's, that's just what I said. And, uh, he says, almighty curse the lost Radiance for betraying mankind. What if I'm cursed because of what I'm doing? And she says, she says, you're not cursed. She's mm-hmm. very adamant about yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, um, and there's this moment here. This is definitely a Tinkerbell moment where she strode forward, mm-hmm. pointing at him, a tiny irate woman hanging in the air. So you think I've called, yeah. uh, caused all this, your failures, your right. deaths, you know how Tinkerbell talks back to Peter all yeah, the time. Yeah. This is that yeah, moment. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, totally. You and I really have to explore um, this Peter Pan um, uh, um, thing with uh, with this book. Uh, we'll have to do a, a bonus episode for this because it. the more you mention it, the more I see it. Yeah. I saw it right away. As soon as she appeared, um, I was immediately, I've always been a, a, a fan of the Peter Pan story. I'm very anxiously awaiting the new film uh, from Lowry, I think it is, um, which I think should be pretty pretty good mm-hmm. um but this um i like what kellen says here he's convinced that it's now the two of them so he says whatever we've done right whatever has happened to me i've somehow brought upon myself the same curse that's why everyone around me dies and then and she says uh and you think i'm a i'm a curse yeah he says and he says well you you said you're a part of it and that's when she gets pissed right. that's when that's she's, when <laughs> yeah that's when she back talks yeah yeah. So, um, <laughs> then Lopin uh, observes this. So, so actually she, she, she flits away. So she's, she's mad. She disappears yeah. like a ribbon of light. Mm-hmm. And then Lopin observes and, and he says, rock talkers. He says, you really, you really shine in shade, Gancho. Um, yeah. Tef's like, Kaladin I talked to point, him. He's sorry, not, yeah, he's like, Tef's like, I talked to him. He's not going to say nothing. Yeah. It's all good. And then, and yeah. then Lopin's like, yeah, Gancho, I swear I'd say nothing. Yeah. You can trust a Herdazian. You can trust, yeah. <laughs> and then that's the, that's the scene change. Yeah. That's the scene change there. Yeah, that's great. So huge reveal and wow, that's Wowie crazy. Wowie zowie. Windrunner. So this whole time the wind has been blowing to give us the wind yeah it's great dude and i uh i commend you i love it um if this was a theory i'd give you a point i'd give you like a a point in the theory (laughs) column but uh you get points for for pointing out the wind uh, theme right from the beginning from the moment that it blew into the sails of shallan's boat and from the moment that it uh it blew across the uh, slave train uh that cal that cal was on you were on top of it and um I, I, uh, I commend you the on your uh, obser- uh, observations. Oh, a little observation there. Okay, so yeah, we got a scene change here. And then Kaladin is walking southward along the edge of the shattered plains. Mm-hmm. And out here he is seeing, um, uh, on one side he's got uh, rock, uh, rocky ed- uh, edges, and on the other he's got the, the plains to his left. Right, he sees a bunch of stuff that, these... are, uh, that are completely fitting for an info dump. Yeah, he's seeing some water-filled holes here, um, and I That's like, where tubers I, I, grow, by the way. Water-filled holes? That's where tubers water grow. Filled, water-filled holes. There you go. <laughs> and there's a tentacle that, that snaps out, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so he observes that, and then he's kind of remarking, and I, I, I really like this. He's thinking, like, gosh, like, being alone feels very strange. Mm-hmm. He's like, the last time I was alone... If I can, if I'm remembering correct, was when I was t- I was tied up and put out in the high storm. Yeah, and then he's like, actually, um, I wasn't alone he, then. Right, he's Syl like, was, Syl was right. with me. Right. Syl was with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is so, which is really because um, they just had a fight, and now he's thinking, you know, she's been with me, even mm-hmm. when I thought I was alone, I wasn't alone, which is actually very comforting, I think. So I like this here. Um, he stops beside a rock outcropping, resting against it, causing grass to shrink away. And he looks eastward over the shattered plains, his home, his sepulcher. This time mm-hmm. on them was this, sorry, this life on them was ripping him apart. 
the bridgemen looked up to him, uh, thought him their leader, their savior, but he had cracks in him, like the cracks in the stone here at the edges of the plains. I, I, I like this little paragraph right. because I thought cracks in the stone would also have been a, a fitting title for this uh, chapter as well. There's a few of them. Um, yeah. This, this kind of gets back to uh, something that you said a um, long time ago where mm. um, we talked about how um, people are becoming shattered when they come to the Shattered Plains. Remember we talked about right. that? And now yeah. he's mm-hmm. actually saying it out loud that he feels right. like he's got cracks in him and they're widening right. just like these chasms. Well, and also like with, with the cracking of the stone, like we're getting more revelation. So in this chapter, we are getting a crack in the stone. Like we are mm-hmm. seeing what's inside, right. what's inside, what's inside Kaladin. What right. is he? Mm-hmm. Right. So. Because in an earlier um, in the chapter, he said, all we are is layer of skin and fat and muscle and bone. Right. But we're actually mm-hmm. seeing inside him and there's way more than just that. Those, right. those simple organic things. We're seeing all this other stuff. Well, so he's, he's walking along and he starts hearing a melody mm-hmm. playing in the, in the, uh, in the distance. Oh boy. Um, a faint, and this is in his carrying over the plains. He, he can't help but, but sort of tune into it. He walks forward eastward and uh, he starts smelling smoke and notices a tiny campfire. And around it, there's a man sitting there on a boulder wearing a black uniform. Did you a know right ice, away from uniform. the description? Um, I had I had my suspicions, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Because this, um, this small, same. You know, the uh, oh, yeah. short black hair, face angular, black mm-hmm. sheathed sword, pale blue eyes. This description happens almost every time we see Wit, right? Except right. for the first time we hear about Wit when um, Ishik is talking to those dudes and they're like, oh, the description toy, they yeah. gave him was a guy with white hair wearing white with brown eyes. So he looked completely right. different for them. Completely different. But yeah, yeah. Every other time this description is, is on par. So, um... He sees this, he sees this gentleman and he's, uh, he's thinking to himself, his first observation is, well, geez, I've never heard of a light eyed man playing a flute. He hears this melody. Yeah. Um, light eyed men, uh, he had known to sing, but they didn't play instruments unless they were ardents. Um, and Kaladin notes that this man was extremely talented. The odd melody he played was alien, almost unreal like something from another place and time. Yeah, I love this. And it echoed down the chasm and back. It almost sounded like the man was playing a duet with himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then he, I think he's going to walk past or Yeah, he's going to leave. He's not going to stop. Gonna leave. And then, right, and then the man says something and says, I always worry that I'll forget how to play her. It's silly, I know, considering how long I've practiced, but these days I rarely give her the attention she deserves. Couldn't help but feel that that little comment, I know he's talking about his flute, but if that was with regards to Sill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a similar thought there. But, but these days I rarely give her the attention she deserves. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's it's like a little comment about Sill, I think. And you know, it's funny is that perhaps. we've actually remarked these last few pa- uh, chapters that we don't get a lot of Sill. Sill's not in it a lot. No, and it's because no. Cal's busy with bridge runs and he's busy teaching right. the men and he's not spending as much time with, uh, time with Sill. With so this yeah. line is very... Yeah, apropos. Yeah, it's, re- it's really cool. It's apropos. Um, what are you doing here, Kaladin says. And he says, sitting, occasionally playing, 
Mm-hmm. And then he said, he says, I mean, what, why are you here? And he's like, well, that's, that's a big, qu- I love, I love this dialogue so yeah, much. It's I could so just good. read, I mean, I just love it. He says, why am I here? Why are any of us here? That's a rather deep question for a first meeting, young Bridgman. <laughs> I generally prefer introductions before theology, lunch too, if it can be found. Perhaps <laughs> so a nice witty. nap. Actually, practically anything should come before theology, but especially, but especially introductions. I love this so much. Yeah. I love the way he's written. Brandon, Mr. Sanderson, I just, so enjoyable. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, sitting occasionally playing with the minds of Bridgman and Calvin. Yeah, started, that's he's so starting funny. To get, starting to get irritated and... Um, yeah. And then, he, and then goes to leave and he says, well, off with you then. Wouldn't want you to get too close. I'm rather attached to my stormlight. Right. Dun, dun, dun. And Kaladin stops and says, what? My, my spheres. Everyone knows that bridgemen are thieves or at least beggars. And Kaladin was taking insult at this. And he's like, well, I didn't mean it as an insult to call you a thief. He says, I meant it as a compliment, um, calling someone a thief. And, uh, he says, I myself am a thief. He says, you are, what do you, what do you steal? Pride. Yeah. And occasionally boredom, if I may take the pride unto myself, I am the king's wit. Or I was, until recently, I think I shall probably lose the title soon. And the king's what? He doesn't even know what it is, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't know. Uh, wit, it was my job to be witty, saying confu- uh No, and then Kaladin says, saying confusing things isn't the same as being witty. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's so yeah. great. And then he yeah, says, um, ah, Cal, Cal gets some yourself. cleverness in here. He, uh... Yeah. He doesn't okay. spar with him as well as Dalinar has in the past, but right. he, um, uh, Cal's no slouch here. His mother, remember we said, he said to us, his mother had a, right. uh, a witty tongue. His mother had the, had the, 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 uh, tongue lashing. Yeah. Um, and what is your name? Yeah, this is important here. My thoughtful Bridgman. Kaladin and yours, I've many. I began life as a thought, a concept, words on a page. That was another thing I stole myself. Another time, I was named for a rock. A pretty one, I hope. A beautiful one. And one that became completely worthless for my wearing it. Mm-hmm. Well, what do men call you now? Many a thing, and only some of them polite. Almost all are true, unfortunately. You, however, you may call me Hoyd. Your name? No. The name of someone I should have loved. Once again, this is a thing I stole... It is something we thieves do. There's so much to unpack here. Um, Oh, dude, it's crazy. It's it's amazing. I love this this line. He's like, I began life as a thought, a concept, words on a page. Right. You know what? This, you know what this makes me think of? This makes me think of Deadpool. Deadpool knows he's in a comic book. Right. He's aware. Yeah. He's been given self-awareness. Right. And I think that's what wit is right now. I began life as a thought, a concept, words on a page. I think that he's breaking the fourth wall a little bit here. Jeez, I wonder. That's, that's interesting. He's like, like, he's Zach Morris. He's turned to the camera and he's winked at, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get me some Kelly Kapowski. (laughs) He's literally breaking the fourth (laughs) wall. He's, he's breaking the fourth wall. Do you think he's a, an embodiment of the way of kings? Then, like, do you think he's maybe? I I can't like one. Like, I can't say, and two. I don't know. Wit is such a mystery. Um, oh, it is, is he hard. Really? He's, it's really hard to unpack say, wit. And I love thinking of him as Q. 
from Star yes. Trek. Yes. I really, very really, much so. Uh, I mean, the way that he, you know, presents himself, the sort of kind of flamboyant nature, his his language is boisterous and confident mm-hmm. and, and he's willing to interrupt and disrupt. Um, and again, such a paradox mystery. A younger, to, to a, a younger actor to play Q, who played Q would be a perfect wit for sure. He's got that, mm-hmm. that smarmy, uh, smart talking kind of thing down pat. Right. Um, yeah, we so, get a little okay, backstory so, here. He's like his name. No, the the name Hoyd is the name of someone I should have loved. Yeah, I, I love know. that so much. It's so great. Mm-hmm. And he took the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kaladin says, "Well, uh, it was pleasant to meet you. I'll be on my way." And he says, "Not before I give you something." And then he produces this right. this flute, and he says, "This is a, tra- a trailman's flute, made mm-hmm. of uh, dark wood. It's meant to be used by a storyteller." For him to play while he's telling a story. You mean to accompany a storyteller being played by someone else while he speaks. Actually, I meant what I said. Right. I love that. I love yeah. the wit there. And then um, you get, we get an example of it because when uh, he's actually playing, when Wit is mm-hmm. telling this story, he's playing the flute and then yeah. he stops playing the yeah. flute and the sound resonates and it right. bounces off the ch- chasms and comes back and right. then he tells the story back. during those parts, right? Right. So mm-hmm. he, it, it's actually doing what he said it would do, which is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, a, I love that. Actually, it's like a magic item said, in D and D. It's like a magical flute mm-hmm. that a bard would oh, have. Oh, this this whole thing is a bard. This absolutely, this encounter is a bard mm-hmm. uh, moment, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then he's got a story to tell, as it right. turns out. Do you want to give us like a? like a quick synopsis of what the story is so we don't have to like dive too, too deep into it? Well, I mean, I, I would like to be able to do it really quickly. I mean, um, I, I underlined quite a bit in here because it was such an interesting story. Um, mm-hmm. So the story is about uh, a character named Detheril and something called the Wandersail. Darithil. Oh, it's, oh, oh, it's Darithil? Yeah. Darithil. Um, so... Um, his, his playing becomes uh, quicker and sharper. And I love this, um, with regards to the notes that he's playing on this flute, uh, the notes, they almost seem to tumble over one another, scurrying out of the flute, like children racing one another to be first. Yeah. I love that description of the music. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. really great. So Brandon, Mr. Sanderson, well done, sir. So death is well known in some lands. He was a king during the shadow days, a time before memory, a powerful man, commander of thousands, Mm -hmm. maybe tens of thousands, tall and regal. He was definitely a man to envy. And he fought uh, the Voidbringers during the days of the Heralds and Radiance. And when there was finally peace, he found that he wasn't content with this peace. And Darithil, his eyes always turning westward to the open sea, so he commissioned a, the, his, uh, the finest ship that ever been known, a majestic vessel, uh, to be made, and he was going to sail this during a high storm, sail out over the over the seas. This is mm-hmm. the story. Hoyd says that Darithil's goal was to seek the origin of the Voidbringers, the place where they had been spawned, mm-hmm. and he named the vessel. Now we get the name Wandersail. Yeah. So Wandersail is made. Um, he gathers a crew of the bravest sailors, 
goes out across the seas, riding riding the storms uh, and going into the storm winds. And Kaladin is thinking, "Wow, this is crazy! Like, I you know, high storms are so dangerous on land. Right? I can't even imagine what it would be like to be on the on the on the seas." Yeah. Um, it says here, seeing a tiny ship captured and held within a furious maelstrom. Yeah. So and. Um, Sorry, throughout this storytelling, um, Cal is looking at the fire and somehow, um, yes, we find out later that uh, Wit tells him that it's, it was, you know, just it, an ordinary it was fire. Kaladin who was, who was seeing it. Right. But <laughs> right, somehow right. these images are coming out of the smoke and the flames. And so not only is yeah. he hearing this story, he's experiencing it visually as well. So right. as he goes along, it, it, it creates this really cool vibe the smoke is forming images. Right, right. From from the campfire. Um, so the wanderer's sail ran aground um, eventually on its journey and was nearly destroyed, but Darithil and most of his sailors sur- uh, survived. Mm-hmm. And they were on a ring of small islands um, which surrounded an enormous whirlpool where it was said that the ocean drains out. Yeah. And Darathil and his men were greeted by a strange people with long, limber bodies uh, who wore robes of a single color and shells in their hair. And the people took the survivors in, fed them, took care of them. Yeah. And Darathil started to study these strange people, which called themselves the Uvara, the people of the Great Abyss, I guess, referring to this this, um, whirlpool. this drain, if you will, mm-hmm. this whirlpool. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Um. And one thing that he notes about these Uvara is that they always seem to agree. No questioning. They always seem to be on, on the same page, which is very unlike unlike yeah. uh, the the Lethe and other peoples we've encountered so far. Yeah, and Cal sees so these what, images of these Uvara in the smoke, and one of the things he, he points out is that they hmm. they looked hardworking, and they're always busy. Yes. They're busy bodies, always doing something, always working. So one day, while Darithil and the men were uh, sparring to regain strength, a young serving girl brought them something, a a refreshment, and she trips and falls, shattering uh, the goblets on the floor. In a flash, immediately, some Yuvari come over to this uh, child and slaughter her in a most brutal way, right in front of Darithil and his men. His men are stunned and angry, and they demand to know what's the cause of this unjustified murder. And the comment uh, that comes back to them from the natives on the you know, on these islands, our emperor will not suffer failure. Right. And Kaladin, actually, I like this. Kaladin, listening to this story, shivers because Kaladin knows the sorrow of failure, and he's he's relating this. Right. Like, wow, like you know, this horrible thing happened, and I didn't, I wasn't able to prevent it. It's great because um, um, uh, Wit later on says to him, like, "What did the story mean to you, Bridgman?" You know, right. I, I only told the story. The story is for you. What you, the meaning you take out of it is for you. And so this is an example of that. He can, he feels for this because he knows right. his own failures, right? Right. Um, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't help but think that when, you know, this whole thing uh, sort of started, um, that it was, the, <laughs> it reminded me of like the story of like the Princess Bride, where Kaladin, like meeting this guy is like, I just want to leave. Like, I don't want the story. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll listen to the story. Right. And then eventually he becomes so enraptured by the story, he's hanging on every word. So he's Kaladin like, no, no, Fred you, Savage? You can, is what you're saying? You, yeah, he's Kaladin's Fred Savage right now. He's like, oh, you can you can finish the story if you want to. Right. 
Are you sure? Because I can go. I mean, I got other things to do. I can get out. Yeah. No, no. You, uh, you can tell me about Darathil and, and the, the Wander Sail if, if you yeah. want. Wait, is this a kissing book? Is, um, hey, Wit, is this a kissing story? Is this a kiss? Only if you want to. Book? Yeah. That's how oh, I think Wit would respond. Only if you want to. Love episode. Only if you want it to be. Um, <laughs> that would be good for our Valentine's uh, bonus, yeah. bonus coming. Um, and so. So Kaladin is, uh, you know, sort of lamenting, like feeling the frustration of, of Darathil and his men seeing this horrible murder, um, hanging on to the storyteller's words. I love this. And, and I also thought of, uh, the storyteller, you know, you know, this, um, series that Jim Henson series, the storyteller, did you ever watch that? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful stuff. If anybody knows about that series, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so hanging on to the storyteller's words, uh, onto the wit's world, as Darathil began to pay more attention, Hoyt says, uh, he saw other other murders. Right. And um, the comment that keeps coming back to him is, our emperor, our emperor will not suffer failure. And I thought that's another great title for this chapter, Suffer Failure. Right. Um, so, the, so the music begins to fade that Hoyt is, is doing as he's telling, the, you know, this, this story. Mm-hmm. Um, the emperor Darathil had discovered was in a tower in the eastern coast of the largest island. And um, Darathil determined that he needed to confront the emperor. What kind of a monster would demand that such an obviously peaceful people would kill right. so often and so terribly? So Darathil gathers up his men and off they go, a heroic group, arming themselves and they go off to, to confront this emperor. Um, and they storm the emperor's tower. Hoyd uh, falls silent. Uh, I like this. Hoyd fell silent and didn't turn back to his flute. Instead, he let the music echo. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to linger this time. Long, right. sinister notes. And I even like that title too, Sinister Notes. Um, Darathil and his men came out of the tower a short time later, carrying a desiccated corpse in fine robes and jewelry, and says, is this your emperor? We found him in the top room all alone. Mm-hmm. It appeared that the man had been dead for years, but nobody had ever entered the tower. Right. They were too frightened. When he showed the Uvara the body, the dead body of the emperor, they began to wail and weep. The entire island was cast into chaos as the Uvari, as the Uvara began to burn homes and riot and fall on their knees in torment. Amazed and confused, Darathil and his men stormed the Uvari shipyards where the wander sail had been repaired. Their guide and caretaker joined them. Um, yeah, one of the Uvari uh, decided to go with the, them. To go with them. This was Nafti who decides to join them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darathil and the men set sail. They're actually getting out of here because it's just descended into chaos. And uh, using the whirlpool uh, momentum to spin them out from the islands. Uh, so Darathil asks Nafti the reason for the terrible riots. Like, why is this going on? And and um, and I like this. So so this is when I had the Princess Bride <laughs> realization because um, Hoyd fell silent, letting his words rise with the strange smoke lost to the night. And Kaladin says, well, what was your response? Grandfather, like, what happened? Grandfather, yeah. <laughs> Did they survive the ROUSs? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then holding a blanket around herself, uh, this is Nafti, this um, one that went with them. Mm-hmm. Do you not see, traveling one, if the emperor is dead and has been all these years, then the murders we committed are not 
his responsibility. They are our own. Right. And that's crazy. Really. That's what did you think story. of the story? Well, it's, <laughs> it's incredibly, um, strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly gets you to think about, um, I guess what it means to, I guess what you're capable of when you accept responsibility mm-hmm. and what you're capable of when you don't, when you're not accountable to anything. Do you think it's a true story? Cause they have a debate here after this, right? They they talk so, and Cal's yeah, like, was it, um, yeah. is that a real story or did you just make that up? And he's like, well, what do you think? Yeah. Where is that? He says, um, he says, um, didn't you, d- didn't you say you were out of a job? True. The King is finally without wit. Oh, so he's witless. <laughs> I'll tell him he said that. I like that. Um, what is wit? I don't know. Uh, he says, is the story true? Is this a true story? Yeah. yeah. And he says, perhaps. perhaps he's like, well, how would we know it? Did Darathon and his men ever return? He's like, some stories yeah. say they did. But how could they? The storms were blowing in only one direction. He's like, so then I guess the story's a lie. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I didn't say that. He's like, no, I said it. Unfortunately, it's the best kind of lie. Yeah, I love this. And what, and kind, what kind is, is that? that? He's like, well, yeah, the yeah. kind I tell, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's That's so great. great. And kicked out the fire, grinding the last coals beneath his heels. So he's actually ending this little storytelling yeah. session. And then Cal um, asks him, like, well, how did, what did you, how did you do that with the smoke? Like, what did you put in the fire? He's like, nothing. It was just yeah. a, a regular fire. And he's like, what you saw belongs to you. And I love this line. A story mm-hmm. doesn't live until it is imagined in someone's mind. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. There it is. And then he asks, that's, like, what does a story it. mean? And, um... And this is the, my, one of my favorite parts. He's like, the purpose of a story, uh, of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon too often. Mm-hmm. We forget that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that this is like a meta commentary for the, this series, right? It's like how we've brought this up in the pod before, how, uh, Brandon Sanderson has said, you know, you don't, um, uh, Sean doesn't get to tell Jack how to say a name in the book. The way Jack no. reads it is the right way for you. Right. And <laughs> right. Brandon Sanderson's not re- writing a, a story for us to tell us what to think. He's telling, he's re- letting us, a st- he's written a story and it's up to us to think about what right. we think about it. Yeah. And Explore how, I feel like it's think. even, yeah. I, I feel like there's another layer here because we're literally doing that with this pod. We're taking right. these books and we're thinking about it. And what, what we talk about in this pod might not be what someone else thinks about it. Right. No, and so not. we're just That's telling right. people what we think about it, but right. all of their opinions are right. This is kind of like what we get back to the whole fan art thing with Kaladin and how mm. each person's drawing of Kaladin right. is still Kaladin, it's... no matter how different it looks. Right. Right. And I, I, that's fascinating. All that. And you're right. Like the wit is basically describing what we're doing with this story. Right with now. The way yeah. Things. Isn't that crazy? That's exactly what he's. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, it means, okay, so um, too often we, we forget that. It means taking responsibility, Kaladin. The Uvara, um, they were happy Kaladin to says. kill, or, or Kaladin says, the, the Uvara, they, they were happy to kill and murder so long as they could blame the emperor. It wasn't until they realized there was nobody to take the responsibility that they showed grief. Mm-hmm. That's one interpretation, Hoyt says. A fine one, actually. So, so what is it you don't want to take responsibility for? That's the question he asks Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like this too. Uh, Hoyt says, I've come to your land to chase an old acquaintance, but I end up spending most of my time hiding from him instead. I love that. That's another who little that? moment where he's dropping a little thing about his backstory. Right. But who is it? Who, who is, is the it? old acquaintance? Right. Who is it? I don't know. We Yeah. You're not supposed to know yet. Oh. And if you knew, it. that means you cheated and you looked online or something. I didn't. No, I've been very, 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 very sequestered and good little reader. Yes, you are. You've been very, very good, dude. I really so, appreciate it. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, would, uh, hang on. Oh, I love this. Oh, my gosh. So after this, um, I've come to your land to to, uh, to chase an old acquaintance. This is from Wit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, um, just an idle comment, nothing more. Uh, my comments are often idle. I never can get them to do any solid work. <laughs> would that I could make my words carry stones. And that's my, I think that's my final potential title for this chapter um, is my words carry stones. I love that mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Um, that would be something, he says. Here I've carried her for longer than you'd believe. Were I to tell you the truth, take her for yourself. And he offers him the flute, but I don't, I don't know how to play it. Then learn. I love that. When you can make the mu- when you can make the music sing back at you, then you've mastered it. And take good care of that blasted apprentice of mine. Apprentice, tell him I graduate him. He's a full world singer now. Don't let him get killed. I spent far too long trying to force some sense into the brain of his. I'll give the him the flute, thinks. and he says, "No, you won't. It's a gift to you." Yeah. Caledon Storm blessed. I expect you to be able to play it when we next meet. And with that, the storyteller end. Um, the storyteller turned and broke into a jog and headed off toward the war camps. So what do you think? This is Sigzil's master, the one that we've, yeah. like Sigzil's talked about him, but we didn't know it was no. him, right? It was him the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's so great. Sil says, I don't like him. He's strange. <laughs> yeah. she, what? How long have you been here, Sil? Well, you, uh, you were, we were watching the story. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I'm behind what is happening to you, she right. says. I'm doing it. It's both of us, she said, but without me, nothing would be changing in you. Mm-hmm. I'm taking something from you and giving something in return. It's the way it used to work, though I can't remember how or when. I just know that it was. So this is all very, very mysterious, but right. I, I like that we're getting more from, from Syl, and it, right. I like that it's surprising Although I do kind of miss thinking about her as a windsprint, but, um, she, um, she says she's willing to stop it, but that would mean that she'd be going back to this like mindless spren thing that she was before. And that scares her. Yeah. Yeah. Floating on the wind. She doesn't (laughs) want to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, it's because of this tie between us that I can, that I can think again, that I can remember what and who I am. If we end it, I'll, I lose that. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. And then he's like, he, uh, she looks up at him and he's like, okay, let's go. And he's like, he's made a decision in that moment. He's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Yeah. He, he thinks yeah, about the story right. again. And uh, there's a part here I, I'll, uh, I'll purse. I, I yeah, actually, yeah, u- yeah. I'm using this as our uh, dramatic reading at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I think um, I know the we'll part you're going to Okay, go ahead. He says, he thinks though, um, there was one thing that he clung to. It was an excuse like the dead emperor, um, it, it was the soul of the wretch. I love this. It's apathy. 
He says um, he um, the the belief that nothing was his fault, the belief that he couldn't change anything. If a man was cursed, then he didn't have to he didn't have to to care. Right. Um, Then he didn't need to hurt when he failed. The failure was someone else's fault, not his own. And that he didn't have to deal with the pain that he felt from from the failures, from losing all these people. Right. Right. And then he's like, if I'm not cursed, then why do I live when others die and then she's like because of us this, this bond it makes you stronger and then he's like then right. why can't i be strong enough to save anybody why can't I? he's like why can't i help the others and then sills like i don't know maybe maybe it maybe, can maybe it can yeah right and then he's like and if i get rid of it then i'll go back to being normal for what purpose so i can die with the others and he realizes right. okay you know what I got to double down on this. If this thing that's making me special is keeping me uh, uh, alive, then I've got to learn exactly what I can do so that I can use it to help everyone else. That's right. Yeah. And I love that so much. He finally gets it. So this, this story, it took, Mm -hmm. it took, it took a bard's telling. It took a story to find the meaning and the purpose for him to see in the story what he needed to do for his own life his own experience yeah just like we can learn similar things from us reading from stories right and to be honest i love which i know i've i've said this before like the 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 never ending story is it's alive and present in Mm. this in this whole idea i mean i i would be very surprised if brandon mr sanderson was not a fan of the never ending there's there's so many layers to it there's so many influences and you can read it all over the page um, so he breaks into a jog and he runs back to the, uh, the work, uh, to the, the bridge crew, uh, camp. Uh, he finds Teft. I'm kind of going through it quickly. Stop me if there's any particular yeah, line bre- you want to no, read. No, he breaks, no, he um, breaks into a jog. Yeah. He um, goes, he goes right at, ca- uh, he runs into the camp and all the men are like, whoa, we're, like what's going on? And then he like waves them away saying it's okay. And he goes up to Teft and, um, here I'm going to read this. He says, yeah, he meets the men. They're, they're, they're creating their stew, the spicy smell of horn eater stew. Yeah, Kaladin and he goes up to Teft. Cal. Or, I love this. Yeah, he goes up to Teft yeah, and ahead. he says, "What do you know?" Cal said quietly, intense. And how do you know it? Teft. You know, uh, uh, when I was a youth, my was, family yeah. belonged to a secret sect that awaited the return of the Radiance. I quit when I was just a youth. I thought it was nonsense. Right. Um, remember the word "envisagers" from earlier in the book? Yeah, the envisagers. Mm-hmm. That, that was the sect. That's that he the was sect. Part of. Yeah. Um, How much do you know about what I can do? Yeah, I love this. Uh, Not much, Tef says. Just legends and stories. Nobody really knows what the Radiance could do, lad. Kaladin met his eyes, then smiled. Well, we're going to find out. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Yeah, I (laughs) love it. Such a great, yeah, great ending. Yeah. Ah, what a wonderful chapter. What's your highlight? There's a lot of stuff to highlight here, but what's your highlight? Oh gosh, the highlight. I don't know. Jeez. I suppose when that line that that you brought up, I really liked that. Um, um, what is it now? Um, about a story not, not being able to come alive until, uh, what is that now? Yeah. It's, um, what page is that on? That's a wonderful. It is a really great, uh, line. It's, um, um, it means what you want it to mean, Hoyt said. The purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you yes. how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. 
too often we forget that. But that's actually right before that. He says, what you saw belongs to you. A story doesn't live until it is imagined in someone's mind. Right. That's it. That's it. Page 1005 for the paperback. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's an amazing. So I, 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 that has to be my highlight. Um, that's cool. That's the other one. highlight, like 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 the other big moment, I suppose that was great to experience was was when Syl said no, right? I'm not a windspread. Being a windspread. Yeah, it shatters cool. our our understanding of what we've experienced this whole time, right? So, and then the, and then the reference bringing up again, uh, being a, a a wind runner, right? That's, that's that's huge. That's, that's very huge. important. Yeah. We kind of that gives us oh, an idea so of what's happening. <laughs> My highlight is kind of yeah, an awkward, let's... weird one that I have to explain just quickly. Um, I've told you before that one of my favorite parts of this novel is mm. when we're reading The Way of Kings while reading The Way of Kings. There's yeah. this like kind of like um, mm-hmm. dual layer of, of meaning. The other right. one that happens a lot in the series, and I love it, is when the characters that are separate start to interact together. So the yes. first time we get that is when Dalinar and Yasna are talking by Span Reed. These two separate right. ca- set of characters are interacting together. Right. And then we get it again when Kaladin sees Adeline in the marketplace right. and in Adeline's market helping the uh, the prostitute. With the prostitute. And now we get yet again Kaladin meeting Wit for the first time. Wit. And right. uh, so our our um our storylines are starting to cross now. The, the, you know, mm-hmm. they say don't cross the streams in Ghostbusters. This <laughs> these are the streams you want to cross. These are the, the story ones streams. That you should cross these streams. Um, just because it's fun and it feels good. But, uh, yeah, that's my highlight is we finally get two characters who seemed separate in separate right. worlds almost yeah. are now coming together, which is yeah. really awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. We got a little bit of an info dump, just a tiny little info dump, just a info little tiny dump. little, a little smidgen of a mini info dump. A um, little tiny bind sprint of a one. Yeah. Um, info dump. <laughs> Um, so Kremlings, we get a really nice description here of Kremlings. Um, mm-hmm. they are multi-legged, tiny claws, elongated bodies plated with carapace. Um, I think we might've got this description again, uh, like earlier in the series, but uh, earlier in the book, but I wanted to point mm-hmm. it out just because these things are really fucking gross and they're like, <laughs> they look like, uh, like prawns or something that like walk around on their little legs um, well, there's all kinds of that in nature. Like I was just reading the other day about these lava snails that exist what? near like lava vents and they're, yeah, you should check this out. Um, I can't remember what the, what the name of the, of the, of the snail was in terms of the scientific, uh, epithet or whatever, but, um, but yeah, it, it was these volcanic snails that exist and there's, and, and there's that. Oh, dude, I'm looking organism. at one right now. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Their, their, their shells are made of like, I don't know, like. Uh, like I don't know if it's iron or like wow. what, what what the hell it's crazy they live in temperatures that are like hundreds of degrees you know you could use this in a and d game where oh, you have yeah. you could hells, like yeah. make armor made out of lava snail yeah. shells or something hells yeah you know what I mean hells yeah it would yeah, have like uh, sure. immunity to fire or volcanic, heat or something and volcanic snail carapace armor chitin yeah. sort of armor that's yeah. what uh, I mean, I'm playing Breath of the Wild for the Legend of Zelda Switch game that's what Link needs that when I go near that volcano in the game I need lava snail armor that's that's what I need 
I might. Well, anyway, getting back to the Kremlings and the other, but sorry, it just, it just yeah. when, like whenever you said that the creatures looked weird, it always reminds me of these odd little creatures that exist, of course, in our world. And that's one I came across just recently uh, reading about them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that weird, what's that weird organism that's got, it looks like um. It, like a little miniature sausage with little claw hands. And it's got that little round snout thing. Yeah, it's it's got like a hole in the middle of its head. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know what they're <laughs> it's called. Got like a mouth and a... They're like, um, they're like the size of I an was... amoeba. They're like... Yeah, I, um... I always want to call it the, like a, a tesseract, but it's not a tesseract. It's, it's not a tesseract. Um, Loki does, it, definitely does a, not steal that It's It's got all. a strange little name. I can't remember the name of it. Darn it. We, we, we might have to cover it in the info dump next, next episode. Um, hold on. I'm um, looking it up anyway. right here. Um, oh, we might get to the bottom. It's of this uh, yeah, uh, it's right here. I got I got a picture of it. Creatures it's a um, maggot fang, water a bear. Maggot? No, no, no. This can't be it. It's a water this bear. This thing. No, no, no. Well, the I'm looking at like a picture a of it. With... Yeah, but this. Uh oh, uh, here it is. It's a tardigrade. That's it. That's it. That's it. Tardigrade, and that's why I call it a tesseract. Because it's a tartar. It's, it's a, you know, it's dude, a, that's it's a, the grossest thing ever in history. Tartar sauce. Yeah. You know what it no is? Good. It looks like it's wearing a bag. It's just like it's foldy skin. It looks like it's wearing like a paper bag. I, it's like an animated sausage. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only really... other thing I have in the info dump here is um, finger moss. It sprouts yes. like flowers, mm. uh, pink and purple tendrils. They look like tentacles waving in the wind. It's really, really quite pretty, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's all I got for info dump. You probably, we probably could have fit the whole story in the info dump, but, um, yeah. we're not sure if it's real or not. So I don't think it really deserves to be in the info dump. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it cool. for the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Jack, we are going to be mm-hmm. moving on to the next chapter, which is, uh, I think we're going to be doing two chapters this next time. Good. Uh, the sure. journey. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no. You know what? The journey is another super long one. So, um, okay. yeah, so we're okay. going to just do this one chapter and then okay, I think sure. that we're going to release both these episodes in the same week as part of our nice. Sanderlanch, nice. uh, event. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, chapter 58, the journey is next. Um, yeah. So if, uh, looking forward to it, yeah, me too. Uh, if you're out there and you're looking forward to it and you want to support the show, you can always go to patreoncom slash heroes of and join the Patreon team. We want to give a shout out to, uh, Papino and Mr. Murasama, uh, our buddy mm-hmm. Casey from, uh, Oregon. You can, um, support the show other ways by, uh, you know, go rating and reviewing anywhere you can tell friends and tell people that you like the show. I mean, even if you don't like the show and you're still listening, just tell people you like it. Just it's just a little lie. It's like wit, you know. They're the best. The best lies are the ones that he tells. So the best lies yeah. are the ones that you <laughs> tell right. to your friends to listen are the to the ones show. That we tell. Yeah, exactly. The um, best, you can always um, uh, reach out and ask us questions. <laughs> um, you can reach us at heroes of dot, uh, heroes of Hecathra at uh, gmail.com. Um, you can go to uh, heroes of dot ca, which is our. Um, a website that's going to be up and running again soon. Uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be. Um, or you can reach us out at uh, Twitter at Heroes of One or on Instagram at The Storm Pod. Um, yeah, so that's about it. I'm not even going to bother mentioning the Facebook page because uh, every time I do, I just like, <laughs> I always insult it and say it's the worst. So I'm not even going to mention it this time. <laughs> um, but uh, I do want to mention that I, uh, that I love doing this, Jack, and I can't wait till we do it again next yeah, time. Yeah, I'm excited. Take care, everybody. Take care. Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. 
Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, J, Phil, Mike, and Sean, the heroes of Hakathra. <laughs>